Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the VersaBank 2020 First Quarter Results Conference Call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. David Taylor. Please go ahead, Mr. Taylor. Well, thank you, Paul, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to VersaBank's 2020 First Quarter Financial Results. We're coming to you from uh, the winter wonderland of London, Ontario. I have with me today uh, Sean Clark, who's our CFO, and Ali Lalani, who's our treasurer, who are standing by if you have any uh, detailed questions you'd like to ask. Uh, Before we begin, please note that the conference call slides, quarterly results, news releases, and supplemental financial information are available on our investor relations page of our website, versabank.com, and they're also available on CDAR. I would like to remind you, our listeners, that the statements about future events made on this call are forward-looking in nature and are based on certain assumptions and analysis made by management. Actual results could differ materially from our expectations due to various material risks and uncertainties associated with VersaBank's businesses. Please refer to our forward-looking statement advisory, which is on slide two. So moving over to the presentation, I'm on slide three. Hopefully you've looked at slide two, uh, where I talk about uh, the agenda. Uh, so first, what I thought I would do, for those of you that are new to the, uh, the Versa Bank, uh, I would uh, review our model and then get into the Q1 results and then move on to what we have in mind for the future. So moving to slide four, uh, this slide shows uh, graphically the technology model that we have created. And uh, not to go over it in detail, but just to highlight the spots, uh, we use existing distribution channels to uh, distribute our banking products. Uh, we've created and maintained state-of-the-art custom banking software that we hope provides us with financial independence from uh, the other banks and other participants in the industry. And we have what we think is a modest risk appetite. And looking at the, at the triangle you, on the far right, you'll note that we have 92 employees. And um, just to give you an example of, of the type of uh, leverage uh, that we use in, in our company and, uh, and how our model is, uh, is set up, of the 92 employees, about nine of those would be uh, have direct interface uh, with our partners. So we have nine relationship people on staff, and the rest are basically support staff. Uh, the largest department uh, in that support staff area would be our IT staff, then we have finance and accounting and other administrative functions. It gives rise to 30 origination partners that the relationship managers um, look after, 26,000 depositors, 156,000 the borrowers, and this quarter we closed with about $1.85 billion in assets. Turning to slide five, just graphically shows you how our deposits are raised. And they're raised through a uh, 
partnership with about 120 or so other um, corporate entities uh, that we call ourselves a B2B business. We've got some of the logos on the slide that would show uh, uh, the deposit brokers that send us uh, deposits each day. And we've also got some of the logos of the larger accounting firms who we uh, receive deposits from from their insolvency practices. Clicking to slide six, there she goes. Uh, this is the, sort of the opposite side uh, of our business. This is where we distribute our, our lending assets. And we have about 30 partners that we work with on, the, on that front. And that's all across Canada, too. For the most part, that, uh, those partnerships are, are composed of point-of-sale finance companies. And so what we're able to do is indirectly uh, finance everything uh, from hot water heaters to hot tubs and motorcycles uh, all throughout Canada where the financing occurs at point-of-sale. We also have partners that provide us with commercial mortgages. Well, looking to slide seven. Slide seven is sort of a, a graphic um, de demonstration of our model. And uh, I used last year's figures uh, to illustrate uh, how, the, how the bank's model works. Uh, last year, we would have collected about $88 million in interest income, and we would have paid about $34 million of that uh, out on interest expense, leaving us with $54 million, or about a 3% return on, on our uh, assets. 1.4% uh, of that uh, went to cover our fixed costs, so that'd be 26 million or so, and the rest was left over, we call core cash earnings of about 28 million. Just looking through the presentation here. Slide eight just gives you a, a visual of the type of real estate projects we, we often finance, mostly high-rise uh, multifamily, but we do uh, some commercial and we do some land development. Uh, the next slide, slide nine, uh, visual on, on some of the items that I mentioned that we finance through our point-of-sale finance people. Those who are thinking about motorcycles, uh, as I was uh, this weekend, can, can forget it. It looks like uh, looks like another month before the motorbike comes out. Uh, the next slide is slide 10, and that shows that we have been reducing our reliance on personal deposits. In the, the personal deposit market, as I think most of you know, they're on the phone, uh, is heated up and is, is quite a competitive market. And, some FIs are paying extraordinary high uh, interest rates on their, particularly on their daily interest savings accounts, uh, some cases 1% higher than, than, than we're paying. Uh, so we uh, created another channel for deposits to uh, take our, our reliance off that personal market that does heat up uh, from time to time. The other market we created is we call commercial funding. And slide 11 illustrates the progress we've made in uh, raising deposits from this channel. This channel is the channel where we add some value to our depositor uh, with our software. We give our, our, uh, our depositors uh, a software solution that hopefully makes their lives easier, makes it easier to deal with our bank. Uh, so they're, they're not the decision factor isn't just interest rates, it's something else, it's convenience. 
We've done fairly well on this front, and it's served to uh, keep our cost of funds at a competitive level. Uh, next slide is slide 12. This just gives you a sort of a pie chart which shows uh, the uh, mix of our, our assets, our lending assets, that is. So we've got, we hit uh, uh, the 1.1 billion mark. That was quite a, quite a number for us. It's a, 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 quite an achievement for us to crack through the billion in um, our e-commerce business. Uh, this quarter we went over to 1.1, which now composes 63% of our lending assets. And as uh, shown in the previous slides, uh, these uh, loans and lease receivables that, that we obtained from the point-of-sale finance partners are scattered all throughout Canada. Uh, this roughly uh, in proportion to the population of Canada. Now, with uh, commercial banking, commercial banking for the most part are those high-rise multifamily uh, projects, and that now represents 37% of uh, our lending assets and is 605. That portfolio we've been letting run down, and that the, it was also composed of what we call non-core assets that were uh, priced uh, quite some time ago and fairly thin, had fairly thin spreads, very thin margins. So we've been letting them uh, run off and replacing them with uh, higher margin, uh, mainly construction loans and uh, term loans. Looking at uh, slide 13, uh, that just uh, shows you uh, a nice uh, chart of the increase in the portfolio size of uh, the e-commerce portfolio. I'd love to see that. Uh, I'm looking for a lot more growth in that area. Uh, that's uh, a business that we think um, is ideally suited to our bank. Uh, we are, we're, of course, uh, adept at providing software solutions. And we think uh, the way the world is unfolding, convenience in banking is, is a deciding uh, factor uh, over, uh, over interest rates, or uh, well, to a certain degree over interest rates. Uh, I think we think consumers and businesses uh, uh, will opt for the convenient bank over, over the cheap bank uh, within a certain, day, a certain uh, limit on interest rates, of course. Um, this slide, uh, slide 14, as you're starting to see what all this uh, wonderful uh, digital banking uh, technology applied to a banking industry uh, has uh, been able to do. Uh, these are these are going to be very good numbers. Uh, you notice that our net interest margin has been hovering uh, about 3%, uh, slight four basis point dip uh, this quarter, and uh, next quarter it could be up four, down four, uh, it, they, it moves around depending on how the portfolio mix uh, changes slightly, uh, but uh, those, those are big net interest margin uh, figures in comparison to what our, our colleagues in the banking industry are able to earn. And they, the, the, the net uh, uh, interest income, of course, was, uh, was $14 million. If you annualize that, uh, it's a little more than we would have achieved in uh, 2019. We're hoping for bigger and better things than that, of course, with all the various projects that I'm about to talk to you on the, on the future side, but uh, looking good. This, this slide I'll give her kind of quickly, but when I say we have a modest risk appetite, you might say, hey, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that uh, our portfolio uh, generates provisions for losses uh, that uh, would be called negligible, uh, as opposed to the industry, which is running around 
last year around 35 basis points. This year, we're just starting to see the results of the other banks. Some are up, some are down. But as you can see, there's uh, there's no comparison to the, the quality of our, our portfolio uh, versus the other banks. And how does uh, this all sort of work for us? Well, it means our uh, economies of scale are kicking in and the cost earned a dollar of revenue is decreasing. Uh, the next slide, 17, a nice slide. I call it a technology advantage. It just so shows that when you're uh, able to leverage your, your software uh, and put up more and more business without increasing your fixed costs, it goes straight to the bottom line as core cash earnings. Uh, now we're getting into the slides that were the, sorry, say where the rubber meets the road. Uh, over the past five years, we've turned a 40% compounded average growth rate of core cash earnings. Um, we're still on track to do that again. Well, maybe not quite 40 this, year, this upcoming year, but 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 quite a quite a nice growth trajectory. Turning to slide 19, and I apologize for this one. It's a little busy, and uh, next quarters we'll put it to half half-year mark, so it's not so much uh, of charts, but you get the picture. Uh, our earnings per share has uh, gone up by about five times in the last five years, from $0.07 cents up to around about $0.35 cents in the last few quarters. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, and the reason I, I talk about core cash earnings, earnings per share, it kind of levels the playing field. Uh, different FIs reporting different ways, some use adjusted earnings, some use net income. All right, what we like to do is say, you know, right to the bottom line, this is how much cash the bank retained after its provision for, for cash taxes. And of course, we have very little in terms of provision for cash taxes and that we have uh, tax losses, uh, tax loss carry forwards that we're, uh, that we're using up. So uh, a wonderful trend that uh, we here at Versa Bank are proud of, uh, but uh, we are a little bit on the greedy banker side and are looking for much more. Alrighty, looking at slide 20, uh, that just uh, illustrates that with respect to uh, leverageable uh, or leverageable um, capital, uh, we have loads and loads of uh, capacity. Uh, we're almost running uh, at uh, three times uh, what uh, most of the industry is. Uh, that means to you as investors or potential investors uh, that um, certain markets uh, we could put on perhaps $2 billion worth of assets without diluting our shareholders, i.e. issuing more shares. That's a tremendous amount of uh, capacity uh, that we're planning to uh, to use uh, with some of the new, uh, new projects that I'm about to talk about. Alrighty, so this is the fun stuff. Uh, we're into uh, what we've been working on, and, um, and some of these, of course, I, I mentioned in, in the quarterly uh, that uh, hopefully you've had a chance to read. Uh, so I'll, I'll uh, talk about the I'll talk about the ones that aren't uh, the one that's not highlighted because I think that's probably the one we should end on. Uh, so first, uh, I talked about uh, raising U.S. dollar deposits. Well, this is a breakthrough in, a, in the small FI uh, industry in the CDIC uh, has announced that it will uh, ensure U.S. dollar deposits as of April 30th this year. Uh, so up until April 30th, I believe, um, U.S. dollar deposits have really been uh, the exclusive uh, area for the large banks in that uh, 
Canadians saving up their U.S. dollars for perhaps a trip to Florida that I might be looking out the window today um, have, have, have likely been storing those U.S. dollar deposits with the large Canadian banks in that uh, we small banks uh, uh, would not have had CBIC deposit insurance on them. Uh, but as of April 30th, uh, good Canadians uh, can uh, store their U.S. dollars with us or, or with any of the other small FIs that uh, systems and software uh, are able to accept U.S. dollars, uh, uh, and we're, we're looking forward to that um, because um, it's a brand new channel for us uh, to take on U.S. dollars. Uh, we uh, we have the systems uh, set up and we're ready to receive the U.S. dollars. Uh, uh, as you know, um, our deposits flow through our partners, so uh, hopefully our partners are able to, to accept. I'm sure some will be by that time, and uh, we look forward to receiving your, your savings and uh, saving them safely and securely in our bank, and, uh, and I'm sure you'd be happy to know that CDIC is providing uh, their usual uh, deposit insurance on this. So, that, so that's an exciting one for us, and as I said in our, my quarterly, uh, we have opportunities now and then to provide U.S. dollar loans, and there's nothing like having U.S. dollar uh, deposits as, as a natural economic uh, hedge. The other thing CDIC has said to do uh, in their, their press release and on their website is ensure longer-term deposits. And this is really good news for us, too, in that up, up until April 30th, it's always been five-year GICs, five-year uh, deposits. And um, we often have opportunities to make much longer-term loans. In fact, some quite lucrative ones, particularly, say, in the hot water heater industry, they're usually uh, leased out for 10 years. And um, we have a bit of a struggle without using derivatives going out 10 years. We don't particularly like derivatives. Uh, so now there's the opportunity to raise longer-term deposits and uh, match uh, longer-term assets that have uh, uh, usually a little better, uh, little better yields on them. Getting on to the prepaid cards and secured cards, I've talked about that. We have a partner we've lined up. Um, we are approved in principle with MasterCard. And our guys are working feverishly on bringing that uh, that uh, product to market uh, through one of our partners. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully next quarter or, or soon after, we'll have some uh, some good news that we have a card out there for uh, for uh, good Canadians looking to deal through uh, our partners. Um, we are on a on a hunt for suitable acquisitions. Um, the, there's quite a few we've had a look at. Uh, we've got. You know, plenty of capital to, to, to buy uh, uh, complementary uh, corporations or other financial institutions that would fit our model. Um, up until now, they've been priced a little a little high. Uh, that's sort of the downside of a, of a highly liquid, feverish market is is uh, price expectations uh, seem to be way up there. Uh, but but we're still on the hunt, and you know, hopefully we find some complementary ones that uh, we can tuck into our bank and. Uh, and grow grow more rapidly than we have been uh, organically. Although the organic side might uh, might pick up too with uh, with the highlighted uh, one. And DRT Cyber, well, uh, as you as you folks know that have been listening for a while, uh, we decided to uh, sort of squirrel away our our um, cool software development uh, that uh, we we have been working on uh, in some cases for years to. Uh, Enhance our bank, uh, particularly in the area of cybersecurity. 
uh, as most of you know, we, we came out with, I, th I think it was the, the first uh, digital safety deposit box uh, to replace uh, uh, the um, traditional steel boxes that banks uh, have in the basement. Uh, so DRG Cyber uh, has that product uh, for our bank and, and for, for other banks that wish to use it. Mind you, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh, interest here in Canada. Uh, so, but we have provided that technology to our partner in, in Europe that uh, has been using it to a certain degree. Other areas that we, we work on for our bank is uh, cybersecurity with uh, respect to uh, penetration testing and uh, surveillance of, uh, of our systems to ensure that no one's probing, no one's getting in, all those kind of good things we, we have on the go in uh, DRT Cyber. There's other, there's other software uh, um, projects that we're working on that I'll probably just leave unmentioned for the time being that uh, we might be able to bring, uh, at least in beta testing, uh, uh, next quarter I'll be able to tell you what we've got there, uh, some that we'll be able to get to market uh, rather rapidly. Again, this is all software that our bank is the first customer, first to use, but uh, I see the applicability of the entire industry and to other corporations and even governments uh, that are uh, have the same issues as banks do with respect to uh, keeping their, their data safe from those prying eyes that uh, seem to be trying to uh, get in and have a look at the very least of, uh, of people's personal data. So that's, that's on the, um, the unshaded uh, uh, project. The one that I, I uh, highlighted in yellow uh, is the new Direct Connect app, app because this is a, sort of a breakthrough for us. This allows us to go directly to uh, the uh, mortgage market. So this is CMHC mortgages, conventional mortgages, and even mortgages that would be considered in the, the Alte category uh, are available to be uh, uh, booked through this app. And as you've seen from the press releases, uh, our us usual modus operandi, the same that we've used over the years uh, when we come out with a new product, uh, we, we hope that we can uh, test it all out uh, with a large player uh, so we get a really good test uh, of, of how our system works and get some really good feedback as to what it needs to do in, in order to uh, please our, our partner. And uh, uh, thank you to the Cortel Group for agreeing to, agreeing to be uh, our beta tester on this project. And um, there may be another another uh, a diverse uh, type of uh, partner in this area too that um, so we get a good wide spectrum view of how our, uh, our app works. But the ultimate goal of course is for our bank to go directly into the uh, retail deposit, uh, the retail mortgage market and this is uh, that big chunk of balance sheet capacity that we haven't used up until now uh, that is available for a bank with uh, standard um, standard risk weighting um, to use CMHCs, uh, as I'm sure the analysts know on the phone, is 0% risk weight, conventional, say 35 and others. So um, lots and lots of capacity. We've got high hopes for this one. And as we've done in the past, partner with the big guys, uh, like we did with insolvency practice, uh, big, the big uh, insolvency firms. Uh, as we did early on and to create the deposit broker business, back in the early 90s uh, when this was uh, unknown in the banking industry. Uh, we, uh, those have been 
dialing in for a while. We'll know we, we uh, partnered with uh, a large independent uh, a brokerage firm um, or, or financial planning firm out of Winnipeg. That would be Rice Financial. We worked with them. They were the largest on the prairies at the time, created the software, and then uh, after that uh, uh, provided it to the smaller firms. And then, then of course, uh, the, the uh, large bank or brokerage firms to, to create a deposit uh, broker industry. So this is us doing it again, shining the lamp. The genies come out, <laughs> and we're all set to go. So, Paul, I'll uh, I'll turn it over to you for questions. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. So again, please press star 1. At this time, if you have a question, there will be a brief pause while the participants register. We thank you for your patience. We have a first question, and it is from Stephen Bolin. Please go ahead, sir. Your line is now open. Uh, thanks. Good morning, guys. Uh, first question, you mentioned the, the, the U.S. deposit products. <clears throat> what would be the offset in terms of loans? So you, you obviously don't want to have a currency mismatch. So what, what kind of loans are, or what opportunity do you have to do U.S.-denominated loans? We're looking at U.S. dollar uh, receivables in the e-commerce area, Steve. So is that some of your – so that would be in the e-commerce segment that – um, is there, like your partners, do they do a lot of those types of loans, or is it U.S., like are they located in the U.S., or Canadian, like Canadian located loans, but in U.S. dollars? Well, without uh, giving secrets away for our partners, <laughs> uh, uh, some are located in the United States, some are located in Canada, doing business in the States. Um, uh, there seems to be quite a quite a market, and um uh, of course, uh, it would be naturally hedged uh, by the uh, U.S. dollar receivables. But we, we're not averse to uh, bridging any currency gap uh, with uh, forward contracts. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and then just the second question mentioned in the press release about um, the growth in the e-commerce segment was uh, new, new partners as well as more business from existing partners. Could you just maybe go into that a little bit, like how many new partners there are? Is it just... You know, is it one that's come in and provided a lot more volume? Um, maybe you just give a little more description, Dave. Be a handful of new partners and quite small. Uh, so generally speaking, our existing partners that are larger uh, would give us a bit more business, and the handful of the new guys gave us a little bit. Uh, all, all added up. Um, with respect to, to growth in that area going forward, uh, we are, are talking to some fairly large new partners. Uh, uh, with um, you know the enhanced product, of course, U.S. dollars, uh, and um, we may be uh, we may be um, improving uh, some of our services that we have out to uh, our partners. So, uh, you know, a lot some of them are taking advantage of our daily purchase program. Others aren't. Perhaps uh, more would like that. And there's uh, you know maybe other things we can do for them, i.e., bring on a secured credit card, that sort of thing. Okay. I think that's it for me. 
Well, thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad if you have a question. Please press star 1. We have a new question now from Paul Campbell. Please go ahead, sir. Your line is open. Thanks very much. Good morning. I uh, just have a question, David. Uh, overall on the ROE, everything looks to be going in the right direction. Costs under control. NIMS pretty stable at a good level. Obviously, credit quality very good, and asset growth is continuing. But uh, ROE is not really moving uh, into those double-digit levels after tax. Do you have a sense of when that might? Uh, Take in as a trend. Well, uh, Paul, there's, there's first two things that are um, impacting our weed. One is what Warren Buffett some time ago called the anchor of equity, <laughs> and um, the, the odd thing about uh, uh, piling away uh, core cash earnings, which goes directly into our regulatory capital, uh, it creates a bigger denominator, uh, and uh, it actually depresses our weed. All things being equal. Uh, so what yeah. has happened is, is we have uh, we've accumulated a, a significant uh, amount of surplus capital over what's required to uh, fund our present book. Uh, so if we were to do a kind of a calculation that some banks used to in the past, they call it uh, return on employed capital, uh, then we'd be up there with the other guys. Uh, but we have kept back this capital for the uh, opportunities that I had spoken about perhaps acquisitions, hopefully you can find a complimentary ones, and we've kept it back for the other factor that impacts uh, ROE, and that's uh, uh, scale. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, what, what our, our uh, plan is, is to uh, sit on that, on that surplus capital uh, and then hopefully find something uh, to buy with it or, and deploy it into these new asset categories as rapidly as we can, uh, so that you'll see employed capital become capital, and uh, and scale uh, deliver uh, a lot more top line uh, earnings. That's the plan. Uh, if I didn't have all those opportunities, uh, then uh, uh, you know I couldn't think of anything new to do, which never happens. Uh, but <laughs> theoretically, you'd you'd crank the dividend up and uh, and bring it back down. Okay. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on the telephone keypad if you have a question. Uh, now I have a question from Peter Leacock. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, good morning, David. Actually, my question was essentially covered by your answer uh, to Paul, which was to do with um, had you given some thought with the excess capital to buy back shares or maybe increase the dividend given that your uh, the stock's trading um, at quite a discount to to book value but uh, I think you've sort of adequately outlined why you want to preserve that capital for other opportunities yes Peter and uh, you're up early in the morning all the way you calling me from Vancouver I'm a little further south today in Mexico oh good for you <laughs> good for you yeah, that's that's always a sort of issue banks have is is you you're accumulating uh, surplus capital, and um, uh, you know, for an odd reason, our stock is trading less than book. Um, uh, I'm not quite 
Well, I guess I'm a, I'm a little more I have a little more insight into why that might be now, and that uh, our IR new IR, IR firm Lodrock has completed a perceptual survey of that. So hopefully we can rec rectify the misconceptions in the marketplace that were outlined in the uh, in this perceptual uh, survey. Uh, but if we, if we didn't have a spot to to um, to use the capital, uh, then yes, indeed, a, a share buyback is of course. Uh, good idea. At 75% of book value, uh, of course you do. Um, but with these new projects, particularly the Direct Connect, that gives us this access to non-brokered uh, uh, CMHCs, uh, conventionals, and, and the other uh, Altay-type mortgages, uh, without the usual um, brokerage commissions, and um, probably not quite as price sensitive as those that go through the very heated uh, uh, broker market. It, it looks to us that that's a good avenue for this capital. Uh, low risk meets our risk appetite and large volumes. Um, from the reception that we received from the, the um, hopeful partners, uh, it looks like another one of those products we built. You know, you build it, they will come sort of thing. Uh, it's something the market has been waiting for. That's what I'm getting from the people I've spoken to. Hey, it's breath of fresh air. Um, so you can do this mortgage directly with a streamlined app, uh, call center to deal with the, uh, the paperwork and all that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, provide convenience at the point of sale of a home purchase versus convenience at the point of sale of a motorcycle. Basically, we took our model and we said, okay, let's get to the biggest market there is in retail purchases. Uh, okay, it's not RVs, it's not motorcycles, it's not hot tubs, it's homes. So we've, we've taken that strategy to the home market, and uh, you know I expect uh, I expect there'll be those that uh, emulate us, and they probably won't, won't be too long, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> but we got first mover advantage again, and uh, we got a big partner. We hopefully have another uh, partner in a different type of of uh, home finance, home uh, sales area, and um, we're looking for big things in this this product. Okay, thanks for the explanation, David. Very welcome, Peter, and good luck in the south there. Make sure you get your sunscreen on. You guys coming from Vancouver down places uh, without sun, without uh, cloud cover, uh, at a bit of risk. You're right about that. It's been a it's been a gray wet winter on the west coast. Yes, I missed you last time. <laughs> it was indeed. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. I will return the meeting back to Mr. Taylor. Well, thank you, everybody, for dialing in. These are exciting times for Person Bank, of course. Uh, we've, it was uh, quite a few years to create uh, the digital bank that you see today, and it took quite a few years for the marketplace really to evolve to the point that a digital bank like uh, ours uh, can take advantage of, uh, of uh, new consumer sentiments and uh, desire for speed and, and convenience. Um, we're all set to go, and of these new markets, uh, new channels I've spoken about, keep uh, us uh, adverse bank uh, keen and uh, excited, and uh, hopefully next quarter we can, we can talk about uh, all the progress we've made in, on those fronts. So thank you again for joining in, signing off for the Winter Wonderland in London, Ontario. Thank you. The conference has now ended.
please disconnect your lines at this time. And we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.